The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus departed from there and came to his native place, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. They said, Where did this man get all this? What kind of wisdom has been given him? What mighty deeds are wrought by his hands? Is he not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his native place, and among his own kin, and in his own house. So he was not able to perform any mighty deed there, apart from curing a few sick people by laying his hands on them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. The Gospel of the Lord. celebrate this 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time in the first weekend of July. We're uh, moving the announcements and introduction at Mass to uh, now. Uh, so that's why we didn't have it uh, immediately prior to the Mass. Uh, the music will be on the music boards and any other those kinds of uh, announcements uh, normally made at the beginning will be made immediately prior to the homily. The sanctuary lamp here in the church burns this week in loving memory of Tony and Rose Provenza. The second collection today is for security. The parish office will be closed tomorrow, July 5th, in observance of Independence Day holiday. The Culture of Life Committee invites all parishioners to fast this coming Friday, July 9th, and to pray on Saturday, July 10th. I invite you to pick up and to read the bulletin for more details on those invitations. Also in the bulletin is information regarding, <coughs> excuse me, regarding the Parish School of Religion, our catechism program, and our need for teachers this year, for catechists, for this upcoming uh, academic year, as well as information on parishioners uh, and milestones in the life of the church during the first half of 2021. I don't know who this Mass is offered for. This Mass is being offered for uh, Felix Carrero. Adjustments. He was not able to do any mighty deeds there, but only healed a few sick people. If there would be a word of condemnation for the people that were there present on that day when our Lord pronounced these words, that uh, prophet is not welcome except in his own, is, is, is welcome not in his own home. The reality is that these would be the fitting words for condemnation. That our Lord, the one who created all things that exist, who created the heavens and the stars, who created the earth and all the animals thereon, who created the entirety of the universe, which continues to increase and to grow in its beauty and its richness and depth and size, who has created all things in their immense complexity, and all of these things he has done simply by saying, let it be, and it was. That God was unable to do anything with the people there. He was not able to work any mighty deeds. 
He who led the people of Israel through, through Egypt, going forth, walking, walking through a river as the walls, uh, as the water filled up as walls beside them. He who led the people out and fed them with manna, miraculous bread from heaven for 40 years in the desert. He who continued to work countless miracles among his people, bringing water from the rock and so many other things. Again, unable to do any of these mighty deeds. It was amazed at their lack of faith. This people should have had faith. Because they had been the chosen people. They were the ones to whom God had come intimately close. What other nation can say God is so close to it as we have God to us? The scriptures tell us in the Old Testament even. They knew the Lord was close to them. And yet as we also hear in the prophet Ezekiel, their hearts were hard. They were obstinate of heart, hard of face. They were people who at times would say yes to our Lord, but then immediately would turn lukewarm and say no and seek out their own pleasures. And it wasn't just a one-time thing. It was a continuous thing. Generation after generation after generation, hearts come afire and hearts set cold. Time and again, the people of Israel fall away from faith. It's not unique to them. It's a temptation all of us face. Because the reality is that every single one of us inherits this wrestling with the human heart of trusting in God. We get it from our parents, as they say. Our first parents, Adam and Eve. They who in the midst of the garden were like God, created in His image and likeness, having perfect union with Him, experiencing something that we ourselves will never know until the next life. And they had it here. But they too lacked faith. It took a simple questioning from an evil serpent to be able to arise doubt in the hearts of Adam and Eve. Rather than trusting in God's word, they began to trust in themselves. Did God really say those things? Would God really do those things? Satan simply asked the question, and the human heart and mind took it and ran with it. Lacking faith, they fell away. The reality is, as all of us, again, wrestle with this, placing our trust in the Lord, placing our faith in the Lord, it is easier, very frequently, to place our trust in ourselves. Because God's plans, very often, do not work out in the fashion that we would desire them, the way that we would anticipate, in the time and the way, or any of the details that we might expect. But when we have our own plans, we can control all of those aspects. There's a certain comfort in doing what we intend, doing our own will. It's a difficulty at times to express faith, especially when difficulties come to us, when the cross comes to us. This is what St. Paul is inviting us to reflect upon today, is the reality of the, the remedy, ultimately, to this lack of faith is humility at its root. Again, because the lack of faith is, is not just a lack of trust in God, but it's an increasingly a place of trust in oneself, in one's own will, one's own plans. But St. Paul shows us that there's another way. Whenever we, are diff- whenever we are experiencing crosses, it is easy for us to 
turn to God and to wonder why he's not doing something. Aren't you listening? Don't you hear me? Why isn't this happening? In so many ways, we sort of cast, uh, cast condemnations at the good Lord because things are not as they should be. And the should is always emphasizing upon what we think it ought to be. St. Paul invites us to respond in humility instead. St. Paul, in the midst of all of these things, in the midst of carrying his cross, in the midst of bearing this thorn in the flesh, he says, three times I asked the Lord to remove it from me. And my Lord said simply, essentially, no, my grace is sufficient. Paul had his plan. And yet the Lord, in revealing his, invited Paul to accept this cross. To accept this thorn in the flesh, whatever exactly it might have been. He invited Paul to humility, to accept his will, rather than to try to force Paul's own will. Paul allows this thorn in the flesh to stay. Certainly he begs at the first that he might be relieved. But ultimately, he recognizes that by embracing this thorn in the flesh, it was truly for his good. For his salvation. And then here begins, you, you see a, a, a sort of conversion happening within Paul, just within this one particular aspect, wrestling with this aspect within his own life, this particular bearing of a cross, how it goes from seeking his own will, i.e., that it might be removed, to accepting God's plans, and then thus boasting in his weakness. He says, The thorn was given to me. He's able to understand it only later on after reflection. Most of us don't have this sort of insight immediately in the midst of the doing of the thing or the suffering of the thing. It only is after time that we come to go, oh, that's why that was happening. And St. Paul has the same understanding. Only later is he be able to say, to keep me from being too elated, I was given a thorn in the flesh. It would have been easy for Paul to have become a rather self-important individual. After all, he had, he had gone on multiple, uh, multiple missionary efforts. He had traveled just about more than anybody. And the, any of the apostles in the early church founding numerous communities, fostering numerous spiritual children, being able to go forth and to, and to spread the faith in a powerful way, to be, able, to be able to bring conversion of hearts, to write numerous letters to these communities, encouraging them, working numerous works, and not to count all the things that he himself later would indicate that he had suffered for our Lord, how those could be his boasts. Look at all I have done for the gospel. Look at all that I have done for the Lord. And how easy it would have been to take all of that to focus upon himself, to boast of his strengths, to boast of his victories, to boast of his greatness. But he says instead, I boast in my weakness. He celebrates the fact of his littleness, of his brokenness, of the fact that he isn't perfect, but he does continue to wrestle with sin because all of these things point to the end of the result that God is in control of these things. That God is the strong one. If we place our trust in ourselves and our own will and our own plans, if we focus upon all that we have done well, we will have our reward. But if we focus upon and if we boast upon our weakness, not that we have to flaunt our sins, which will be foolishness, but to boast of our weakness, to boast that Christ is doing all of these things, 
all the focus becomes his. He becomes the center. He becomes the reminder to us of the power of God, the wisdom of God, not simply the wisdom and the power of man. It is he who becomes the one in which we can place our faith because he has shown himself powerful in the midst of our weakness. Our weakness becomes our source of faith. And this is the grace we ask our Lord today, that we can recognize our littleness in God. We can recognize our woundedness, our brokenness, our sinfulness, and rejoice in these things here and now. Because they are signs to us that God is greater than all of this. That if any good that is done in us or through us, it is always and only Him. We simply are instruments in His hand. We pray that by the grace of this Holy Mass and the prayers that we come to offer here, that the Lord might increase our faith, increase our trust in Him, that as He comes to us, He may not find us, He may not be amazed at the lack of faith as He was with the people of His own day, but rejoice to see a faith that is alive, a faith that is encouraged and bearing great fruit for His glory and for the good of the kingdom.